Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And we're going to go talking about business with a former member of Congress who's now a recurring guest on the program, um, Congressman Rick Keller. Uh, I love having you on the program, Rick. But one of the reasons why is that you bring really unique takes to things that we're talking about. You know, so so people say, "Oh, Congressman, we're going to talk about tax issues." We, we certainly could do that, or regulations, or a plethora of other things. But we're going to be talking about networking, and one of the reasons why this is also very interesting, and I think important, is that I see you when I look at your work as someone who is trying to re- rediscover and really perpetuate the things that have worked historically and remind us of things that have worked historically and not to abandon them, which seems to be what uh, the larger culture has often done. And so uh, I love what you do, I, I, and I think we need more of that. What works, Rick? That's what we should go back and look at. Real quickly, let's get into, uh, before we get into our topic, a little bit more about your book, about your book, about your work, and how people can get more information. Well, thank you, Kevin. Well, first of all, your your listeners should know that I'm a um, politician and a lawyer, so you know everything I say has to be the truth. You know, uh, <laughs> my my poor mom said, "Why don't you just check all the boxes and become a used car salesman too, Rick?" You know. Um, <laughs> So I think wanted me to be a doctor. But no, I, I wrote a book um, called Chase the Bears, Little Things to Achieve Big Dreams. And it was sort of like my modern day version of Think and Grow Rich. There was a book by Napoleon Hill that was really instrumental in helping me with, with a couple of my biggest goals in life. And, and so I wanted to write a modern day version of that. And then my passion really is speaking. And so anyone who wants to get a hold of me, it's Rick, spelled R-I-C, at rickkeller.net. And I speak about resilience and specifically how to, how to bounce back with, with humor in business and in life. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and I, that word resilience is something that we need so much more of these days. Uh, when do. we look at all the people we admire, our favorite heroes, the one thing they had in common is they never took no for an answer. They never gave up. And uh, you'll be shocked to know the thousand-plus uh, approaches that uh, Thomas Edison made in making a light bulb that failed before he figured out how to make one that worked. That's resilience. And that's something that's in really short supply. And so I love your message. Let's get into this topic of networking, which, first, sure. you know, I think since the rise of social media, um, in some ways, the idea of networking in person is is lost some of its panache or its influence. But I yeah. think, in a way, in a way, it should be make it more powerful than ever. That direct, you know, because it's so different from the fake social media brother connection. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll talk about like this some overarching principles of it real briefly and then and then yeah. there's three rules that I think are really good takeaways, but kind of the principles that that people should use is think about authenticity and being in it for the long term and and being reciprocal. And by authenticity, I I I really mean that because I think, at least for me, we've been programmed since we we're little kids to put this perfect image out to the outside world. 
And the truth is that you you connect with people by doing exactly the opposite. You know, we've been taught to make it to you, make it, put your best foot forward and never let them see you sweat. And you connect with people just by being real and being vulnerable and being, you know, just a regular person. And in terms of um, reciprocity, we all we all have that friend that every time they call, they need something. It's, it's help me move, pick me up for the airport, can I get a loan? And you don't want to be that person, you know. And so, if think of think of it in terms of being in this for the long haul, being authentic, and being able to bring something to the table. I think are the guiding principles, and it's the it's the opposite that gives networking a bad name. People want to get something quick as possible that, that benefits themselves. But with that, there are three specific rules, and I think maybe each one we want to have a chat about it. But the the number one rule that I I would tell people is no ask for a year for any new uh, contacts. Um, don't don't and by ask I mean asking someone who you just met the next day uh, to use their political capital to help you. And so I'll give you an example of what would be cool and what would not be cool. If you just met me at a party and you said, hey hey Rick. Um, you know, I'm new to town. Can you recommend a good dentist or a dry cleaner? Sure. That's easy. It doesn't require me to spend political capital. But if you were to call me to say, hey, I, I met yesterday, and like I said, I think I have everything it takes to be a really good judge, and so I want you to call the governor, since you know him, and ask him to appoint me as a judge. <laughs> that's, that's not cool because it makes people feel used, you know? And so by not doing any ask for a year for new contacts, it really – takes a lot of pressure off the relationship, you know, so, so nobody feels used. Yes, that's so, a good one. And, and what yeah. you're saying is that, you know, so if you have an ongoing relationship, maybe occasionally you can do that without a, a, a year. But give it a year before you even do it once. Yeah, if you have an ongoing relationship, that's a different that's a different thing. You know, you you, you guys have known each other for a long time, and and that's what friends are for. You know, a, a good friend will help you move, and a great friend will help you move a body. You know, so I mean, that's, that's a different thing. <laughs> well, you definitely have a political yeah. background, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but, number so the, two. Number two is is bring value to the relationship. Do make it mutually beneficial. And some people think, well, the person that I'm, you know, trying to network with is is rich and powerful and famous. And what what could I possibly do to bring value to the relationship? Well, there's more there's more than things you can do than you than you think. You can bring sweat equity. You know, write an article and you guys get both credit, but you do all the work. You can introduce them to people. Maybe you're an expert in something that they're not, whether it's uh, telling a joke or uh, fitness tips or something like that. Um, and I'll give you just one example. I wanted to get in, into politics, and I was just out of Vanderbilt Law School, and I didn't have any connections. And most people, when they want you involved in the campaign, is essentially really to raise money and kind of secondarily to put up signs and stuff. Well, I didn't have any money, and so I I met Jeb Bush, and I wrote a little joke on the back of a um, a business card that ended up being a, an icebreaker, kind of a funny line, and that's how I got involved in politics. I was able to bring joke writing to the table, and it helped him connect with people, and and it was just my little contribution to someone who's rich and powerful and famous, but but it it created a great reciprocal long term relationship, and he ended up helping me you know, many years later when I ran for Congress. The third oh, thing, that. yeah. The the third thing is really invest in quality people, the long term quality people. And the reason I say that is if you invest in, in in only really quality people, and ten years goes by and they can never help you at all, and you never help them, 
you didn't waste your time because they're people you wanted to hang out with anyway. And so that that would be a third tip. And um, I think a good example of that one, just to give you something tangible, is Sandra Day O'Connor went to law school with uh, Bill Rehnquist. And they were um, good friends, moot court partners. They even dated for quite a while. And um, and Rehnquist asked her to marry him. And she declined because she had already met someone else. But she treasured their friendship, and they, they kept – they kept close friendship for 30 years, and 30 years later, Rehnquist is on the Supreme Court, and Ronald Reagan's elected, and he said, you know, i got to fulfill my uh, campaign promise of, of appointing a woman to the Supreme Court. And uh, Rehnquist said, I, I know just the woman. And hmm. so that's how um, that's how uh, Sandra Day O'Connor was kind of plucked out of secure, uh, you know, obscurity as as a Arizona judge. She didn't have any federal experience, and so Rehnquist had a, a law clerk that just clerked for him, help help her on the federal stuff, named John, and got her through, and she was a, approved 99 to nothing. Um, and then many years later, and when Rehnquist died, President Bush wanted someone on the court, and she thought of this young guy, John. He only had two years of experience as a judge, and says, you know, I, I think you should – I think you should you appoint John, and he did. And that guy is John Roberts, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. So they have a lot of fancy titles, but really, what got them there is maintaining these high quality relationships over a long period of time. Yeah, you got to love that. That uh, though, that's a great example, and I, I like the idea. You know, um, when you do what I do, just like what you've done, you get blessed with lots of influential friends over the years. And uh, there's often this kind of strange view that the bigger they are, the more we should leverage it, right? right. Uh, we should leverage that relationship. And, that, and that's problematic, and that's why the relationship often doesn't go beyond uh, the kind of closeness that uh, you saw in the examples you gave of relationships that, if you look at it, you know, in one way, really paid off. Well, it took decades to pay off, but they paid off. And uh, But I think it's better to kind of create a firewall around all relationships, but particularly ones in which using seems to be the reason why they exist. So these influential people kind of have a cynical view about why they want to have others want relationship with them. Just protect it. Just have the relationship. Let them show up for you rather than you ask them to, because you'd be surprised how often they'll just show up for you and have that yeah. more of that attitude. Create a firewall around that relationship of not having a utilitarian view of it. I, I agree a hundred percent. And and for people who are young people on the up on the upswing there, you know, there's a there's a difference between having a mentor and a sponsor that in terms of these relationships. A mentor is somebody that just gives you um advice. A a sponsor is like a mentor on steroids. They not only give you advice, but they'll go to bat for you. They'll promote you to be partner and they'll recommend you and they'll endorse you in a campaign and they'll write the letter to get you into business school and they'll go out on a limb and use use their political capital. And that's something that's incredibly, incredibly important is having at least one person in your life that you've developed this relationship over a period of years that when the chips are down, they're going to get a bat for you. Um, and I'll just give you one example. When I was a partner at a big law firm before I went to Congress and there was this lady who was up for partner. She'd be passed over two years in a row, a, a mediocre lawyer, uh, senior associate. I'll, I'll call her Betty. It's not her real name. But this time, 
her third time she came up, she had a sponsor. Uh, I'll call the guy Adam. And he was a very popular senior partner who had done a lot of things to help me as a young man and helped every other person. And he went went around to us and said, look, I don't ask you for much, buddy. Uh, and I know you guys think she's a mediocre lawyer, but she's good with my clients and I really need you on this one. And this time she was approved with 75% of the vote. Because we really weren't voting for her, we were voting for him. And that's the power of having a sponsor, having one person that, that really is going to go to bat for you and developing that relationship over the long time. Yeah, people who advocate for you. And a lot of people don't even realize they have a sponsor. you got someone who's saying, hey, I'll make that call. Hey, I'll write that letter. Hey, I'll make that introduction. That, that is your guy or gal that is poised to take that role. And you don't want to necessarily talk about it formally because all of a sudden something that was organically happening all of a sudden becomes awkward. <laughs> but you yeah. know it's there. Support it. Coddle it. Nurture it. Make yourself available. Even with your incredible limitations to reciprocate any opportunity you can. That type yeah. of thing. And one tip, because you know, I love public speaking and media and stuff, so you would think that I would be some natural extrovert, but I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm personally shy and introverted. So when I go into a party, the first thing I do is just, oh, is there someone here that I know, you know? And so for people like me, so public speaking and, and math stuff is easy. I, I have three little subset of rules that have really changed my life, so just to pass on to your listeners. And um, the first thing is is act as if it's your party. If, if you were throwing in a party at your house, what would you do? You'd probably walk over and introduce yourself to people. You'd probably take two different people and introduce them to each other and say, oh, this Bob is in baseball and you have a son in baseball. That that's a, it, it really helps you mentally, just pretending it's your party. And, and whatever you would do then, do that, do that then. And then second... You know, from being on airplanes and every week back and forth, people sit next to me and I'm tired and I don't know what to talk about. I found out that if I just ask them about their passion, um, people will talk about it for hours and it will flow. And don't assume that you know everything about that person. Just ask them. Like people assume that I would want to talk about law and politics on a plane. It's the last thing I want to talk about. But if you talk to me about uh, college football or motorcycles or comedy, you couldn't shut me up. I'd be talking for two hours. And so just, hey. just ask people directly what their passion is. Sorry, Rick. I've got uh, three minutes before the next interview. So let me yeah. uh, real quickly give that last one real quick, and then I'm going to give your website one more time. Uh Speak if you can do it. If you're not scared of public speaking, speak if you can do it because the people fear unstructured socialization. And when you give a speech afterwards, people come to you and they're asking you questions. You're on your home field and it just makes it really easy to have the interaction. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I got so close to crunch time, frankly, because I always love talking to you and I kind of stopped looking at the clock. And uh, because you do such a good job and you bring so much to every segment, I love having you on. RickKeller.net. RickKeller.net. Remember, that's R-I-C, not R-I-C-K. RickKeller.net. Rick, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Kevin. Always a pleasure. Look forward to next time. I am Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business.